0: Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's good to see you this morning. We're glad you're here at, Alli- at Alliance. Um, before we jump in this morning, I need to make one brief announcement. Um, we're saying goodbye to somebody today, and goodbyes are always kind of tough, and we don't like to do them, but we're also very excited for people when they move on from our church or move on from our community and go to another community. Uh, but tomorrow morning, um, Bev Robbins and her brother Carl get on a plane to move to Pennsylvania. So. Um, we are going to miss them very much. Uh, <clears throat> Bev, if you don't know, has served in lots of different ways here at the church. Um, she's currently serving as a member of our governing board, and I know I very much appreciate her wisdom and her insight on that board and what she adds to that group, and so we're going to miss that a lot. And if you don't know Carl, Carl is a friend of mine, and Carl is a door holder extraordinaire. Some of you have had the privilege of having Carl open the door for you when you walk in the building on a Sunday morning. That, I mean, we're going to we got to find another door holder now. So, so if any of you are interested in holding a door on a Sunday morning, we need somebody to replace Carl. But we're going to miss them very much. Bev said something about her kids are getting married and having grandbabies, and she wants to go be with them. I don't know. But anyway, but no, we're very excited for them. We're excited that they get to move on to that next season of their life. We're obviously going to miss you guys very much, but um, we're excited for you too. So make sure you give them a nice big hug before you leave this morning. Um, they're Like I said, they're heading out tomorrow, so um, make sure you say goodbye to them. Um, We are starting a new series this morning called Destinations. Uh, What we're going to be doing for the next few weeks is we are going to be looking at some of the places where we are heading in our lives. We are all working our way towards multiple different destinations. You are going somewhere in your life. You're going some direction, some path is leading you somewhere. And so what we want to do is spend these next few weeks talking about what it looks like To be on a journey, to be on a path towards a destination. And what are some of the challenges that we have along the way? What are some of the experiences that we have, both good and bad, as we make our way towards a destination? But here's the thing about destinations. In order to be able to get to a destination, you have to have good directions, don't you? You have to know where you're going and how you're going to get there. Now, let me ask you, how many of you feel like you have a pretty good sense of direction? Like, you, you, you can, yeah, good, okay, you can look at a map, or you can look at your phone, if you're driving somewhere new, you can kind of figure it out pretty quick, like, okay, this is where we're going to go, this is how we're going to get there, I, I would fall into that category, I feel like I have a pretty decent sense of direction. Now, let me ask you this, how many of you have, like, zero sense of direction, like, zero, yeah, good, thank you for being honest this morning, very good, all right, zero sense in direction, as in, like, you might need a GPS to get home today kind of thing, Like, you're, like, really, really bad at getting around town and all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing. Those of us that have a pretty good sense of direction get really, really frustrated when we're sitting next to you and you're driving us somewhere. Like, you drive us insane. Like, to the point where we think... Are, are they trying to get lost? Like, are they, is this on purpose? Like, what is the deal? Like, how could you be this bad at getting from point A to point B? I mean, there's a thousand different ways to figure it out now. Whether it's your phone or a GPS or a, even a, pull out a paper map, we don't care. Just figure out how to get there, right? And so those of us that have a good sense of direct direction get really frustrated with you guys sometimes. And again, we begin to wonder, th- they're doing this on purpose. This is some kind of prank, like they're getting lost on purpose. But here's the reality. None of us are trying to get lost, are we? It's not like you get in your car in the morning and think, "Today I'm going to get lost and it's going to be great." That's not the goal of whenever we're driving to a new place or a new location. We're not trying to get lost, but it happens, doesn't it? It happens for a lot of different reasons. Some of you get very very distracted whenever you're trying to get to a new location. Like a good song comes on the radio, like a really, really good song, and you are really good at singing the bridge of that song. Like, you know every note. Like, I mean, you are just, you're going to nail it. And so you are so focused on singing that song so well and hitting those notes that you miss three turns along the way. And then you wonder, how did I end up here? But the distraction got to you. Some of us, here's the other reality, is that some of us, actually all of us, don't know when we are getting lost right? We only know when we are lost. You don't realize, oh, I think I'm getting lost right now. You hit a point where you turn around and say, oh, we're really lost. Like, I don't know where we're at anymore. I don't know how to get back. Get a phone out. Get a map. Find some, some way to get us out of here. But so we don't realize that we're getting lost until we already are lost, and we get distracted. Now, does that ever happen in your life? Does that ever happen when you're trying to work towards a goal, whenever you're trying to work towards a destination? you ever get distracted like a really good song comes on the radio and you really want to hit that note and all of a sudden you've missed an opportunity? Sometimes we don't realize that we're getting lost. Sometimes we don't realize we're making bad decisions or we're going down the wrong path until we're already at a destination that we don't want to be at. Because those are issues that happen not just when we're driving a car, not just when we're trying to get from point A to point B, but they happen in life, don't they? They happen in lots of different areas of our lives. Now, I'm going to say something this morning that is super deep, and you're going to really want to write this down. I mean, this is like mind-blowing deep. Are you ready? Whatever road you are on is where you're going to end up. That's like super simple and super obvious, right? Like it should be written in a high school yearbook somewhere. Whatever road you are on is where you're going to end up. Very simple, very obvious statement. The reality is, is that many of us don't live our lives with that very simple statement in mind. That whatever road we are on, whatever direction we are taking, whatever decisions we are making, is where we're going to end up in our lives. There's a a pastor in Atlanta. His name is Andy Stanley. And many of you have heard of Andy Stanley. You've read his books. You've watched his videos. He's an amazing communicator, amazing pastor. I love that guy. I learn every time I hear from that guy. But that, here's what, here's what Andy Stanley calls the path principle. All right, and I want to share this with you this morning because I think it's so good. The path principle is a statement that he came up with. It's based off of this idea. Really simple statement that applies to just about every area of your life. Ready? Your direction determines your destination. Your direction determines your destination. Let me take that one step further. Your direction, not your intentions, determines your destination. Your direction and not your hopes and dreams determine your destination. Your direction and even some of your prayers determine your destination. Because if your direction and your, and, and your um, hopes and dreams and all of, your, all of your instincts and everything else around you, if those don't line up, you're not going to end up where you want to be. So your direction, more so than your, anything else in your life, determines your destination. Let me give us an example of that. We can have all the best intentions of the world, and we won't end up where we want to be. Let's say we all decide that we are going to take a road trip to go skiing in Colorado this winter. And so we we start planning now. Like, we're we're planning everything out. We're planning the route. We're, We're packing everything. We load up our skis and our snowboards. We strap them to the top of the car. We have everything planned. It's going to be this amazing road trip. It's going to be so exciting. So we pack everything up. It comes the, the, the day arrives and we're going to leave. We drive out to I-75 and we start driving south. Are we going to end up in Colorado? No, we're going to end up in Miami. And I heard the skiing in Miami is awful. See, we can have all the best intentions in the world. We can have everything planned to the minute. But if our actions don't line up with our intentions, we will not end up where we want to be. Apply that to any situation in your life. Any situation. Your finances, your relationships, your career, your, your relationship with God. All of those things. It all applies, right? This path principle applies to any situation you can possibly think of in your life. So, our direction, not our hopes. Not our dreams, not even some of our prayers, not our intentions, is what is going to determine our destination. This morning I want us to look at a story in the Bible that kind of shows us how this path principle plays out in everyday life. It's a very specific story, it's a very specific situation, but if you take the big ideas and the principles from this story, again, you can apply it to any situation in your life, any part of your life. So this morning we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Proverbs chapter 7. You can follow along on the screen or on your phone. Lots of different ways to keep up with us. But we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 6. Here's what's going on in Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7 was written by King Solomon. And we call King Solomon one of the wisest, the wisest man that ever lived, right? But King Solomon wasn't always the wisest man that ever lived. When King Solomon was young... He made a lot of mistakes. He did a lot of things wrong. He didn't always make the right decision. But in Proverbs chapter 7, we meet King Solomon after he's learned from those mistakes. And here is King Solomon telling a story. This story, we're not sure if this is like an actual, like factual story that happened in the life of King Solomon, or if it's more of like a parable, like a teaching kind of a story for us to learn from. But in this story, King Solomon is now older and wiser. He's standing in the window of his house, and he's looking down in the street below. And in the street below, he sees these people that are just kind of going about their lives. And he notices one young man walking down the street. And for a brief second, King Solomon can see the future. He can see what's going to happen in this young man's life. Have you ever had a moment like that? Like the best example I can think of is, have you ever been sitting in an intersection and you see a car accident that's about to happen, you see two cars, they don't see each other, but they're, I mean, you you know exactly how this is going to play out. And for a brief second, you can see the future, can't you? You can see this collision. You can see this crash that's about to happen. That's what's going on in Proverbs chapter 7. There's a crash, a collision that's about to happen. Solomon can see it. The young man that he's watching in the story, he can't see it because he's wrapped up in the moment. He's wrapped up in the immediate. He's wrapped up in the here and now, but but Solomon can see a path. Solomon can see past that moment to a path that this young man is walking down. So let's jump in. Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 6. In verse 6, it says this. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young uh, young men... A youth who lacked judgment. Let's stop there for a second. A youth who lacked judgment. So Solomon is now older and wiser. He looks down in the street below, and he sees a young man. And he might know this young guy, right? He might, because he obviously knows this isn't the the smartest guy on the street that night. This guy lacked judgment. Now, what's judgment? Judgment is being able to understand what's going on and make a wise decision because of it. And many times we feel like good judgment, sound judgment, comes with two things— It comes with time, and it comes with experience, right? We learn how to have good judgment over the course of our lives as we grow older. Now, this young man, it's not his fault that he's young. It's not his fault that he lacks judgment. He lacks judgment because he is young, and so Solomon sees it. Solomon sees how it's going to play out. He sees that this young man lacks judgment. Now, all of us, whenever we were teenagers, or if you are a teenager in, this, in the room this morning, you all remember when your parents would sit you down and read you the riot act about some dumb decision that you made, right? But they were doing that because they had better judgment than you. They had more time. They had more experience. And as teenagers, that drove us nuts, didn't it? When our parents would try to tell us what they, what they thought was right and we thought we had it all figured out. In fact, I know, like, I know I played this out in the course of my mind as a teenager, and some of you still do this as teen- like, if you're a teenager right now. You might think, well, listen, I might lack judgment, but have you looked in the mirror today? Like, have you looked at what you're wearing? Like, you know, we, we think our parents are just like dumb and they're out of style and they don't know what's going on. And like, how could you possibly want to speak into my life and tell me what to do? Have you like seen the way you cut your hair last week? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? And so we have these thoughts about people that try to speak into our lives. But the truth is that sometimes they have judgment that we don't have. And that's what's going on in this story. So let's keep reading. Starting in verse 8. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out kind of where this story is going, do you? He's walking down the street towards her corner. Well, who's her? Who's she? Solomon knows who she is. Solomon knows her reputation. Solomon knows who lives in that house. He knows the direction that this young man is taking and where that path leads. And so Solomon sees all of this playing out. This young guy is walking down the street, and they have two very different perspectives, don't they? The young guy is on the street walking towards her house. Solomon is up in the window watching it all happen. They're coming from two totally different points of view right now. So let's keep reading. Let's see what happens. Starting in verse 10, Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. Notice it says, dressed like a prostitute. She wasn't a prostitute, but she was dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. It goes on, it says, She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I have fulfilled my vows. Now those are some very weird statements to make after you kiss a guy, right? I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I have fulfilled my vows. We don't walk up to people, kiss them, and say those statements anymore. But those statements had meaning. Those statements were important for the people in that day. So think about this situation. Guy's walking down the street. He knows who this woman is. He knows her reputation. She walks out of the house walks right up, kisses him, and then says these two things. I have fellowship offerings at home. What does that mean? I have fellowship offerings at home. Basically what she was telling the guy is this. Listen, I have money at home. I have money. What I want to do tonight with you has nothing to do with money. This isn't about a transaction. This isn't about, this isn't about what I need and what you need. You can keep your money. I have what I need. I have money at home. All right? And then she goes on and she says, and today I have fulfilled my vows. What does that mean? Today I have fulfilled my vows. Basically what she's saying is, hey, this morning I went to the temple and I offered a sin sacrifice. Like, me and God are good to go now. Like, I asked God for forgiveness. He forgave me. So we're on the same page again. I have a clean slate and I'm ready to start sinning again. Because tomorrow, I'm just going to go back to the temple and do it all over again. And she's playing God for dumb. She's playing God like God doesn't know what she's doing. And she's just saying, hey, tomorrow I'll fix it. But tonight, here's what I want. And this isn't just a moment. This is a path. Right? This leads somewhere. And so she's got the system all figured out that she's just going to go ask God for forgiveness tomorrow. Aren't you glad that we still don't play that game with God anymore? Of course we do, right? Only the system has changed. It's no longer about going to the temple to make a sacrifice. It's now about asking God to forgive us. And does God forgive us? Sure. But then when we start playing God like he's dumb, we take advantage of grace. We take advantage of compassion. We take advantage of mercy. And when we do that, we play God like God doesn't know what's going on. And will God forgive us? Absolutely. But what we need to understand is when we play God that way, that puts us on a path. That puts us on a path. It's not just a moment. It's not just a night of pleasure or a night of passion or a a decision at work to cut a corner to make a little extra money. Or a decision to lie to somebody. All of those things put us on a path. And we can act very much like the woman in the story does. Before we get all like up on our soapbox like this woman is awful, we treat God the same way a lot of times. So let's keep reading. In verse 15, it says this. This is the woman talking again. She says, so today I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. Now think about this young man right now. He's thinking, she's looking for me. Like, I was just walking down the street, maybe hoping to kind of catch a glimpse of her in the window, but now she's looking for me. Like, she said she was waiting for me to walk down the street. I'm special. I'm the man of her dreams. I'm everything she's ever wanted in a man. Like, he's really starting to get, like, a little puffed up, a little arrogant about the whole situation, right? And then it goes on. Verses 16 through 18. It gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Here's what she says next. She says, I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. I don't think I need to explain what she wants to do that night, right? If you're if, parents, if you let your kids come in the room this morning, I'm going to let you explain that to them when you go home later. But I don't think I need to explain what's about to happen what the intent is, what the intention is behind this decision, right? This is, I mean, th- think about this young man. Look, look at what she's done. She's like, this is like out of a movie. This is crazy. This doesn't happen in real life. Women just coming out of their homes and telling you to come inside. Here's all that I've done to prepare for you to be here. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And then she goes on in verse 19. She says this, This is where it starts getting really tricky. Ready? She says, my husband is not at home. Oh, that's probably good to know, right? My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. This is where the path starts getting real murky, really bad, right? Not only are they talking about like a night of just like Passion and pleasure and, and romance and all those things, now we find out this isn't just a woman with a reputation. This is a married woman with a reputation. It keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And then she says this. She says, you know what? My husband, he's gone. You don't have to go home tomorrow if you don't want to. You can stay as long as you want. He packed his purse or backpack or bag or whatever it was. He packed his bag with money and he'll be gone till full moon. He's gone for a long time. Think about what's running through the mind of this young man at this point. We know what's running through the mind of the young man because of the next verse, the next two verses. We find out what his decision is, the path that he has chosen to go down. Verse 21, you can probably already guess where this is going. It says this, With persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk, and all at once he followed her. All at once he followed her. Think about this young man. This is, for this, for this guy, this is a moment, right? This is a crazy event. This doesn't happen to guys walking down the street. This is a story that he's going to be able to tell his friends the next day. This is going to be amazing, right? But it's putting him on a path. It's putting him on a path that leads to a destination, At this point, the older, wiser Solomon kind of comes back into the story and starts kind of giving us his commentary on it, his instructions about it, starting in verse 22. Look at verse 22. It says, all at once he followed her. And then he gives some, some examples of what's about to happen, and they're pretty gruesome, and they're a little bit kind of crazy, but they're important for us to understand. He says this, all at once he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter." Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting, darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost his life. Geez, Solomon, okay, we get it. It's a bad decision. We got it. But what's Solomon trying to do? Solomon is trying to get the young man and us to see past the moment and to the path. To the path where this moment leads. And he gives these examples, like an ox going to the slaughter. Oh, and think about the young man, if the young man was hearing these statements. Come on, Solomon, honestly, an ox going to the slaughter? This is a date. That's all this is. This is a date. It's not that big of a deal. No, 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 no. This is a path. Second example, like a deer stepping into a noose and then having an arrow pierce his liver. Well, that's a gruesome picture, isn't it? Picture this, this lovely deer walking through a meadow, and it goes to lay down, and all of a sudden, it's, in an, it, its hoof is in a noose. And it's struggling to get out, and it's struggling to get out. And all of a sudden, the hunter appears out of the woods and pierces his liver. I mean, come on, Solomon. That, that's a little drastic, don't you think? I mean, you're being a little dramatic here. No, no, no. This is a path. This is a path that leads somewhere. And then the third example, like a bird darting, darting through the air and getting caught in a snare. Oh, come on, Solomon. You're like my mom now. Will you just back off? Like, this is not that big of a deal. This is one night, one event. It's not, it's not leading anywhere. It's fine. No, 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 no. This is a path. This is a path that you're going down. It leads somewhere. It goes somewhere. And you need to think about where it is that that's leading. See, The young man was so focused on the moment, wasn't he? He was so focused on the immediate that he was missing out and wasn't thinking about the ultimate. He wasn't thinking where that moment was going to lead. Two totally different perspectives here, right? Totally different perspectives. And we can live our lives the same way. Where people around us see us doing something or we see other people doing something and we have one perspective, but they can't see it because they're so blinded by the moment. They're so blinded by the immediate that they miss out on the ultimate. Solomon goes on in verse 24. In verse 24, this is when he really starts like instructing us. He really starts saying, now listen, I just told you this story. Here's what you need to know about it. Here's what you learn from this young man's situation. Verse 24, now then my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. He's getting our attention, right? He's saying, hold on a second. Like, You've got to understand, this isn't just a moment, this isn't just a story, this is a path, and you need to understand that. And then he goes on, verse 25, "Do not let your heart turn to her ways, or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng." Solomon uses some very interesting examples in these verses, doesn't he? Some very strong pictures that he paints here. But what does he say? He says many are her victims. Do not let your heart turn to her ways. Many are her, are the victims that she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Basically, if Solomon could speak to the young man again, he would say, "Listen. You're not as special as you think you are. This situation that you're in, this isn't unique. This path that you're going down, other people have gone down that path before. You're not the man of her dreams." you're not the man that's going to change her life. It's not that special because many, many people, take, take this woman out of the picture. Think about the situation, This specific temptation, this specific situation, adultery, to, to cheat on your wife, to, to move on to somebody else, to, to just give in to pleasure whenever you feel like it. That's a situation that has been played out Time and time and time again, hasn't it? You can read about it in the Bible. You can read about it through human history. You can see it in your life today, whether it's somebody in your family or somebody you know, where this situation has played itself out. This is not unique. This is not special. Many, many are the slain that have gone down this path. Then he goes on. If you didn't already get it, He gives us one last, like, really glaring example of what this is. In verse 27, he says, Her house is a highway to the grave. Oh my gosh, her house is a highway to the grave. Her house is a path to the grave that leads to the chambers of death. I mean, could Solomon be any more serious here? Could Solomon paint any stronger of a picture than he is with these verses? See, this is a path that leads somewhere. If it's not physical death, it's emotional death. It's relationship death. It's death that can happen in so many ways whenever we choose these types of paths. Again, take this specific example out of it. Take this specific example out. Whether we're talking about lying, whether we're talking about cheating, whether we're talking about um, just, again, cutting some corners at work, just to kind of like bend things the way you want just a little bit, just to put a little more money in your pocket. Whatever situation you can come up with, it all leads to a path. This guy's decisions and his direction were putting him on a path that wasn't going to lead to the destination that he wanted. And we already kind of knew what was going to happen in this story, didn't we? When we were like three or four verses in, we kind of had a pretty good idea of what was happening here. And how it was going to turn out. Because we've seen this before, haven't we? This is predictable. This happens in real life. And there are lessons that we can learn from it. Here's the big idea that I want us to kind of walk away with this morning. Is that we have to learn that we can't live with the disconnect between what, I, what my intentions are and what my actions are. We can't live with that disconnect. That if my heart is in the right place, then I'm going to end up where I want to be. If my intentions are good then I'm going to end up where I want to be. That just doesn't work in real life, does it? Because I can have all the best intentions in the world, but that doesn't mean I'm going to end up where I want to be. I can be a good person, but that doesn't mean I'm going to end up where I want to be. Because I can have pure intentions. And because of that, I can say to myself, well, my my heart's in the right place, so I'm just going to go have a few extra drinks tonight. Or my heart's in the right place, I'm just going to go dabble in this over here. It's not a big deal. It's one night, it's an event, it's a moment, God will forgive me tomorrow, and I'm good to go. But there's a disconnect there. And until we understand that our actions and, inten- and our intentions need to line up, we'll live within that disconnect. Remember, this doesn't just apply to sexual temptation. This doesn't just apply to this specific situation. This applies to everything in your life. Your relationships, your money, your career. Every area of your life, this path principle comes into play, doesn't it? Run any scenario in your life right now through this path principle, and you're going to see something. You're going to learn something about yourself. Sometimes our emotions can get in the way, can't they? Whenever we've got a big decision to make, we let our emotions play a huge part in how we make a decision. Remember what Solomon said in these verses, don't let her take your heart. Don't let her lead your heart astray. Because Solomon understood that your heart and your emotions are deeply tied to these decisions that we make. We get so fixated on, I need that thing. I need that car. I need that promotion. I need to be with that person. And when we get so tied to those things, we get our heads wrapped up in the immediate, and we miss out on the path that it leads to. And we need help. We need each other to help each other through these these types of decisions that we have to make. I was thinking about this this week as I was getting this ready, and it kind of made me laugh as I thought about it. But think about this. Let's all imagine that we're the young man in the story, all right? Now, I want you to imagine that it's your mom that's standing in the window watching all of this happen. Or not just—maybe not your mom, maybe somebody that you love and respect that has, like, an authority figure in your life that can speak into your life. But for me, it was my mom, all right? Let's say I'm the young man walking down the street, and my mom is, is Solomon standing in the window. I'll tell you right now, if my mom's standing in the window, she isn't writing nice poetic verses to put in the Bible as she's watching me walk down the street. My mom is ripping the window open, saying, "Hey moron, what are you doing? What's ma- what's the matter with you? Don't you know where this leads?" Don't you know where this goes? And then my mom wouldn't just stop there. My mom would be running down the stairs, coming out into the street, grabbing me by my ear, and probably smacking me around a little bit as she dragged me back into the house. But we need people in our lives. We need each other to figuratively smack us around a little bit and get us to wake up sometimes whenever we're facing big decisions, don't we? Because there are people in our lives that have a different perspective than us. Solomon was on the second floor Watching all of this happen in the street below him, he saw where it was going. He saw what was going to happen next. There are people in your life that are watching your life that can speak into your life. There are people around you that you see what's going on in their lives, and you have the opportunity to speak into their life. Here's the reality is that we need each other to do that. We need each other. One of our core values here at Alliance is that we're better together. We need relationships with other people who are willing to stand in the window and yell out to the street, Hey, stop it. What are you doing right now? Don't you know where that goes? Don't you know where that leads? And so that's why that's such a huge core value for us, is that we need each other to instruct each other, to encourage each other, to help each other through the big decisions of our lives. And we try to connect people in lots of different ways. Last week in your bulletin, there was an insert that gave you a whole list of small groups and classes and Bible studies and ways for you to connect with other people and to begin to build relationships with other people that will help you to have people in your life that are willing to speak into your life when the time comes and you need that. That same insert is in your bulletin again this morning. If you weren't here last week or if you wanted some time to think about it, it's there again. If you are looking for a place to connect, if you need to begin building relationships with other people, this is a great place to start. It's a real simple insert. Mark a a group, mark a class. Start getting involved somewhere. Start connecting with other people. Let us help you connect in any way that we can. So you can fill out that insert. You can give it to me, give it to Jason. Drop it in one of the boxes here. Go visit the guest center after the service. Give it to them there. We want to help you get connected because we need each other. We need each other in every situation of our lives. Now, this morning we talked about a very specific, very negative example of the path principle, didn't we? I mean, very specific. This stuff doesn't happen every day when you're walking down the street, does it? So we talked about a very specific thing. But the path principle works whether you're talking about a negative situation or a positive situation. The same is true whether you're talking about doing something right or doing something wrong. Right now, some of you are on the path of faithfulness. You have been faithful to God. You have been faithful in your relationships. You have been faithful to your your work and to your career and to the things that God is asking you to be a good steward of. You have been faithful in those things. And because you have been faithful, God is blessing you in your life. Because that's a path. It's a path. That leads to a destination. Some of you right now are on the path of forgiveness, and that is a really tough path. That path is totally overgrown. and sometimes you have to take a machete with you when you get down that path and start hacking away at stuff to clear out the path of forgiveness, because not many people are willing to go down the path of forgiveness, are they? Because it, it hurts, because it's messy. But some of you are choosing to walk down the path of forgiveness. And as you do, as you offer forgiveness to somebody that's offended you, and as you, as you um, ask for forgiveness for somebody that maybe you have offended, you begin to clear away that path. And as you do that, you end up at a destination. You end up at a place where relationships begin to be put back together that you had no hope for, that you didn't think was even possible But because you are choosing the path of forgiveness, you are seeing God work and move in ways that you didn't think was possible. Some of you are on the path of financial responsibility right now. You are doing everything you can to be out of debt. You are doing everything you can to make wise financial decisions. You're doing everything you can to be a good steward of what God has given you to take care of and to be generous with what God has given you to take care of. And because you, are being, because you are on the path of financial responsibility, God is beginning to reward you. Because everything is a path. The good, the bad, the ugly, it all leads somewhere. And those paths, the path of faithfulness, the path of forgiveness, the path of financial responsibility, those don't happen. You don't arrive at those destinations because of one singular event, do you? You arrive at those destinations because you are willing to see past the immediate and see through into the path that that leads to. To not buy that new car. To not buy that bigger house. To not, to, to not talk bad about somebody. To go offer forgiveness whenever somebody has hurt you. Or to ask for forgiveness when you've hurt somebody else. Those are paths that we're do- going down. And those don't happen by accident. Those, we don't just bump into and arrive at those destinations by chance. We do that because our direction determines our destination. See, we all have the opportunity to live out this path principle. And so I want to leave you with two questions to think about as we kind of wrap up this morning. Because here's the thing. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk more specifically about some of the paths that we're on. We're going to talk more specifically about some of the decisions that you have to make to be able to arrive at the destinations that you want to be at. Um, We're going to talk more specifically about some of the challenges that you face as you try to work towards destinations. But in order to do all of that, in order to talk specifically about those things, I think it's important that we start by evaluating our own hearts, in our own lives, and where we're currently at. Because if we have a good understanding of where we are, then we're going to have a better understanding of where we want to be. And so this week, I want to leave you with two simple questions that are going to help us evaluate our lives and evaluate the decisions that we're making. First question, is the path you are on taking you where you want to be? Is the path you're on taking you where you want to be? And even more importantly than this, is the path you are on Taking you where God wants you to be. It's not just about what I want. It's about what God wants for me. And so is the path you are on taking you where you want to be? Apply that to any situation in your life your finances, your job, your family, all of those areas. Is the path I am on taking me where I want to be? And the second question is this Are you listening to the people who are standing at the window? Are you listening to the people who are standing at the window? Are you willing to hear when somebody speaks into your life? Are you willing to hear and listen when somebody has something for you that maybe can see past the immediate, can see past that moment? Are we willing to listen? So is the path that I am on taking me where I want to be, and am I willing to listen to others in my life? Let's start there. Start there. Ask God to help you. Pray. Seek God's wisdom in scripture. Find ways to ask yourself these questions and evaluate where you're at now. Because that's going to help us as we move forward talking about our destinations. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about where we're going to go and the things that we're going to talk about and the decisions that we make along the way. Because I think that we can always find a way to get on the path that God has for us. Because let's be honest, some of you right now, are arriving at some really good destinations. You've been wise, you've made good decisions, and you're arriving at some really good destinations. There are others of you in this room that are arriving at destinations right now that are a little unpleasant. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be arriving where you're arriving right now. And that could be for a lot of different reasons. That could be because of decisions that you've made. That could be because of circumstances that are going on around you. Some of those destinations could be because of the decisions of others, too that have kind of put you on a path. But here's the good news. The good news is that we can always have hope, that we can always change the direction of our path. Yes, we are going to have to deal with the consequences of our destinations, good and bad. There are always going to be things that we have to face, and they're, they're, sometimes they're hard things, and they're not fun, and they're, they're just kind of frustrating at times. But there is always going to be another path. There is always going to be another way. And we believe that we are offered that other path because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We have hope, we have a future, we have an opportunity because Jesus came and offered us that. And that's where all of this begins. This all begins with the question, do I trust in who God is and what God has done for me through the person of Jesus Christ? And if we believe that, then there will always be another path. There will always be a way to change direction, to get back on the path and get to the destinations that God has for us. That doesn't mean we don't deal with consequences. That doesn't mean life isn't hard sometimes, but it means that there's always another way. So we can be hopeful. We can be joyful even in the midst of difficulty, knowing that our direction is going to determine our destination. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray that as we begin to evaluate our paths this week as we begin to look at where we're at and where we want to be that God would use us and teach us and mold us and encourage us to get on the right path. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for uh, a really even difficult story from Proverbs chapter 7, for something that might make us squirm a little bit or make us a little uncomfortable to even think about. But God, we thank you that it teaches us we thank you that it shows us, it sheds light on our own hearts and our own minds and our own intentions. So God, this week, as you begin to teach us more about where we're at, the path that we're on, and where we want to be, God, strengthen us. God, give us courage to make difficult decisions. God, if we need to change directions and change course of pa- uh, the course of our direction, God, give us the strength and the courage to do that. God, may you guide us and teach us and mold us along the way. We thank you for this lesson. We thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen.